Welcome to the Pleasant Green Missionary Baptist Church Sunday School Lesson for Sunday, February 18th, 2024. I am Deacon Barry Taylor and I will be your presenter today. We are still in Unit 3 uh, of the Faith Pathway Adult Quarterly, which is entitled The Righteous Live by Faith. The Righteous Live by Faith. We're in Lesson 12 today which is entitled Facing Great Danger. Facing Great Danger, our devotional reading was taken from Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 27. Our background scripture was taken from Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 to 28. That's the entire sixth chapter of Daniel. And our printed passage or lesson text was taken from Daniel chapter 6 verses 10 and 11 verse 14 verse 16 verse 19 to 23 and then verse 26 and 27 our key verse is verse 22 chapter 6 verse 22 which from the King James Version reads my God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocence was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. The aims of the lesson are, number one, to analyze Daniel's personal conviction of faith in God amid injustice. Number two, prayerfully raise awareness of God's power and favor in times of difficulty. And number three, create opportunities or increase the effectiveness of existing opportunities to stand together against injustice. Now, after the introduction and biblical context, our lesson outline has two divisions. The first is entitled, A Defiant Faith, that's covered uh, between Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 and 11 verse 14 and verse 16 the second division is entitled a vindicated faith and that's covered between Daniel 6 19 to 23 and then 26 and 27 for those of you who use the standard commentary our lesson title is faith in times of trouble and additional aims or number one summarize Daniel's personal conviction of faith in God in the midst of injustice. Number two, compare and contrast Daniel's faithful expression with those of the three his three colleagues in last week's lesson. Uh, we read about the three Hebrew young men who were cast into the fiery furnace because of their faith last week. And then number three, commit to hearing faithful witness, or I'm sorry, bearing faithful witness to God in the face of personal lion's dens. Now before we get into a little uh, background, additional background, we gave background uh, on the book of Daniel last week um, and get into our lesson. Let's go before the throne. Our Father, we thank and praise you again for another opportunity to study your precious word and lord we pray uh that as we go through this familiar passage lord you'll give us greater 
and clear insight into what you would have us take away from it, Lord. Inspire us by the faith of Daniel to be faithful unto you, Lord, uh, even unto uh, death, Lord, uh, and, and even at great risk to ourselves, our safety and ourselves, Lord, help us to bear witness to the world and inspire the faith of others, Lord. Uh, Lord, help us, Lord, uh, to do what is pleasing in your sight always as you give us understanding of your word. Help us to be obedient to it. We ask your blessings upon all those within the sound of my voice, upon every family and household represented. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as is our custom, we are going to read um, the verses uh, associated with the first division of the lesson, which is a defiant faith. Uh, and then we'll back up and have some verse-by-verse -verse discussion. So begin, well, let me give a little background first, a little additional background. Uh, the book of Daniel, uh, most of us know, was written by the prophet Daniel. Uh, sometime between, it's believed sometime between 540 B.C. and 530 B.C., as you will recall from the background of last week's lesson, Daniel was one of the three young Hebrews, or Hebrew boys, I believe to be in their teens, early mid-teens, when they were taken captive from uh, Jerusalem or Judah uh, during the first deportation uh, of the Babylonians, uh, or by the Babylonians in 605 BC. His companions were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and as uh, we mentioned last week, they were given new names. Uh, Daniel was named Belteshazzar, uh, and then there was uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the names given to the other three. Well, last week we read about something very heroic that they did in not bowing down to a golden image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up in the plains of Dura, and how God miraculously uh, spared them uh, from the fiery furnace, uh, resulting in Nebuchadnezzar acknowledging the God of the Hebrews, the God of Israel, and his power. We're going to see something similar in the lesson today. Uh, and we, we know that these men were uh, uh, men that had a, a great faith, uh, and they were uh, faithful and consistent in their faith. Um, Daniel, uh, believed to be the leader of them, at, at this point has uh, served uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, who took him and his uh, companions uh, captive. He has served uh, Cyrus, and he served uh, Dar Darius. Uh, and uh, this lesson, uh, and Darius, of course, is a a king uh, of Persia. Persia at this point, Persia has the Medo-Persian Empire has conquered Babylon, and ultimately Persia uh, uh, became the dominant world power. And so, at this point, this is near the time of the end of their captivity, and he is in the service of Darius. And Darius has uh, noticed the, uh, no doubt, he's heard about his service uh, to prior kings uh, and of course his devotion to uh, his faith but he also uh, no, has found him to be excellent in character honest and 
he has um, made him one of three presidents who were put in positions over 120 princes that were governing his whole uh, uh, um, domain, if you will. And if you read the background uh, scripture, the entire chapter, sixth chapter, you know that um, the princes and no doubt the other two presidents were very jealous of Daniel, especially since uh, Darius was planning to make Daniel uh, head, the, the chief, if you will, of the presidents, as well as all the 120 princes. So they, being jealous of Daniel, wanted to find something to accuse him of before the king. And they sought hard to find some fault in his character or something that they could accuse him of. And I, I got to tell you, it's, it, it would really be a privilege and a pleasure if the only fault that could be found in me, and I think probably any of us, is our faithfulness to our God. And that's that's all they were able to find. They, they were not able to, they said, we are not going to be able to find anything against him unless it has something to do with his faithfulness to his God. And I'm paraphrasing. So they they came up with a scheme to play on the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for the pride, if you will, of Darius, and they uh, they came to him and said that all of the princes and the presidents and uh, they didn't mention that uh, <clears throat> Daniel was not included among them have agreed that we should ask you to make a decree stating that no one should make a petition to any god other than you uh, for the next 30 days. Now, it wasn't uh, unheard of for prayers to be made for kings and occasionally uh, kings actually accepted prayers to them. Uh, they were of course very vain very arrogant and so they played on this uh this pride and this arrogance of uh darius and and got him to sign this decree now no doubt i, I would assume darius if he knew daniel and of his faith in his god thought that he was consenting as well but we don't know that that's beyond the biblical text so we're gonna pick up where uh Daniel finds out that this decree has been signed and this decree cannot be altered according to the custom of the Medes and the Persians, the Persians and the Medes. It cannot be altered, not even by the king. So uh, they set a trap for Daniel because they knew he was going to be faithful uh, to his God despite this decree. So we're going to pick up at verse 10 and we're going to skip around as we go through the, uh, the lesson text. We'll try to fill in the gaps as we uh, as we do. So I'm going to read the uh, again the verses associated with the first division of the lesson again, which is entitled "A Defiant Faith." And I will I'm going to stick with the King James version uh, today. Verse 10 says, "Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house." And his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and thanked God before his God 
and, and gave thanks rather before his God as he did aforetime. Verse 11, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Skipping down to verse 14, Then the king, <clears throat> when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him and he labored to the going down of the sun to deliver him. Verse 16. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, will deliver thee. So let's back up to verse 1, I'm sorry, verse 10 again. And it reads, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, that is the decree that the king signed stating that no one should offer a petition or pray to any other god other than him for the next 30 days. When he knew it was signed, uh, he went into his house. He had a house. He was a man of, uh, of course, some stature and position uh, and um, opened his windows um, and facing his windows face Jerusalem. And you may recall uh, that um, the Israelites were commanded to pray toward Jerusalem when they were in distress and in foreign, in foreign lands. Uh, we know when Solomon uh, dedicated the temple, he also asked that if they prayed toward the, this place in Jerusalem, that God would hear and answer their prayers. So this was his custom three times a day, and it says uh, toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four times so that is customarily now um, there's no command that the Hebrews pray three times a day that was his custom we are told to pray always as Christians and faith not and uh, I pray uh, uh, typically in the morning I pray uh, certainly before bed and I pray as needed as as it occurs to me throughout the day for various things so there's no prescription for prayer here but it is a good idea to pray I think at least three times a day so Daniel knowing the consequences of this went about his daily routine of praying to God uh, boldly uh, and this was something that he did in obedience to God. Again, God had commanded his people to pray. Verse 11 reads, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. So they were perhaps able to see him through the window. They probably went to his house and confirmed that he was indeed praying. These men, men being those officials who had con contrived uh, this uh, contrived rather this scheme uh, and got the king to sign this decree uh, and they and basically uh, setting a trap for Daniel because they knew Daniel would be faithful to his God if they didn't know anything else about him again they knew he was going to be faithful to his God and as I said again wouldn't it be great if that was known of us that we are going to be faithful despite uh, any uh, consequences to our God now what's covered between verses 12 and 13 are basically the men come to the king and they said, hey, didn't you sign this decree 
that no one should make a petition before their God for 30 days except you. And he said, yes, I did. And according to the Medes and the Persians, this cannot be altered. And he confirmed that. And he said, and then they said, uh, well, Daniel, uh, who's of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. And we pick up at 14, which reads, Then the king, when he heard these words, and that is, he heard about what Daniel had done despite the decree, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Now, something of note here is that the king was not angry with Daniel for defying the decree. He was angry with himself for being duped, for being a sucker. He recognized right away, I'm sure, that these men, these other officials, had set a trap for Daniel. And he knew, as we read further, we learned that he obviously knew something about Daniel's faithfulness to his God. So he was, it said, sore displeased with himself. He was very upset with himself. And when it said he sought to deliver him, he did everything he could to argue uh, the case for Daniel to deliver him. But the men, uh, these officials who set the trap, argued, no, you you know that the law, the Medes and the Persians cannot be altered and, and, and they implied if they didn't say outright if you disregard that tradition then you're showing yourself to be unfaithful to the culture of the Medes and the Persians and therefore they would put his uh, anyway, his, his uh, word in question. So we don't know I imagine uh, these men may have brought Daniel in the morning. They caught him in his morning. We don't know. But we don't know what time of day it was when the king got these words. But uh, it appears that there was he argued for some hours to try to vindicate uh, Daniel or try to deliver Daniel from this fate that he had declared in the decree. And that is that whoever did so, whoever uh, defied the decree would be thrown into a den of lions. Now our next lesson verse is verse 16, but in verse 15 it says, you know, again these men, um, it basically says what I just said, they assembled to the king and they they said, no, the meats of the law, the meats and the Persian can't be altered, and so the king was unsuccessful in arguing a case for Daniel. So verse 16 says, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now, you might wonder, did, why did they just happen to have a den of lions around? Has that ever occurred to you? I, I, I'm just reading a little background here. Uh, the kings, one of the sports for the kings was to hunt lions. And uh, they kept lions uh, until a certain point uh, in dens uh, and uh, released them into arenas or maybe small, I mean, maybe even larger enclosures. Uh, 
for sport so the kings could hunt these lions and, and no doubt the kings were very well protected from any serious danger but they kept the lions for sport they didn't just keep them around to feed uh, people too but since they were there and uh, for sport uh, th again the uh, the officials that set the trap thought let's let's throw anyone that uh, defies the decree uh, have the king ordered to throw them into the den of lions which I'm sure everyone in the, uh, 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 was aware of that the king had. Now part B of uh, 16 says, Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver you. Now uh, understand uh, King Darius uh, most likely believed in many gods. He was a polytheist. Uh, believed in polytheism but he also recognized the God of Daniel and remember last week we said that uh, back in those days uh, it was not uncommon for people to believe that gods were territorial every nation or country if you will had its own set of gods and there was one supreme God over the sets of gods that each nation or people had uh, no doubt he's heard about the God of, of uh, Israel. He heard about the deliverance of the Hebrew boys from the furnace. He may have heard about uh, how he uh, uh, drove uh, Nebuchadnezzar mad for seven years and then restored his sanity and how he praised the God of Israel. He may have heard about the miraculous things that he did in Egypt and parting of the Red Sea and parting of the Jordan and all of that. He might have heard about that. And again, he thinks that he is, he knows he's a powerful God that Daniel is very faithful to. And if anyone was deserving of uh, help uh, by his God, he is assured that it would be uh, his God. And so he, he makes this pretty positive declaration that the God that you serve continuously, he will cannot seem to keep these devices turned down anyway he's thinking he will deliver certainly uh, because of Daniel's loyalty to him his faithfulness to this God, this God of Israel he will deliver him so um, our next verse picks up at uh, well, we, we pick up next at 19 between verses 17 and 18 uh, we read about the fact that the king has a fitful evening. I mean, he just, uh, they, they, well, first of all, verse 17 says, And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, his signet ring, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. In other words, they, they put a rope or something around the, the entrance uh, to this uh, den and they put uh, a wax uh, some big glob of wax on it where it was tied or and they sealed it with the ring so that if anybody everybody would know that this is by order of the king and his lords and you better not try to save Daniel his, his Hebrew friends or anybody else 
better not try to save Daniel. If you if you do, you'll be defying the king's orders and his laws. And then verse 18 says, Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting, couldn't eat, had no appetite, neither were instruments of music brought before him, no entertainment, and his sleep went from him. So he had a sleepless, restless night, couldn't eat, no appetite, because of his concern for Daniel and, and how he had played the fool in this trap that was set by his other officials and he knew I'm sure probably almost instantly that it was because of their jealousy so we pick up at verse 9 this is the next division of our outline which is entitled relief I'm sorry um, I actually blew it's uh, entitled a vindicated faith a vindicated faith I'm gonna read the uh, the passage and then we'll back up and read uh, verse by verse and have some discussion. So beginning at verse 19 and reading through uh, 27 uh, intermittently, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, and the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the mouths, the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me, forasmuch as before him innocence was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. Verse 23. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Verse 26. And this, uh, we pick up uh, midway uh, through verse, uh, verse 26 says, that, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before God. Well, actually, I, I skipped over to 26. Fear before um, the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end verse 27 he delivered delivereth and rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions and I forgot we were skipping over some verses here again I'll try to fill in gaps as we go through so we're going to back up to verse 19 and it reads then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions the king rising early should not have been a surprise he was not able to sleep anyway so he gets up and he is just really anxious to know the fate of Daniel so he rushes to the lion's den and verse 20 says 
And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lion? So he cries out. It says with a lamentable voice. What do we mean by lamentable? Well, uh, it's a voice that assumes the worst possible outcome or response. And maybe he's thinking, I'm not going to get a response or I'm going to get a response of a mortally wound man. But he is uh, really concerned about Daniel and that, that's noticeable in his voice of concern. And again, he acknowledges uh, Daniel's faith and reliance on his God. He says, O Daniel, servant of the living God. He, now, why living God? Well, no doubt, um, I can't say this uh, for sure, but um, Darius was probably aware that many of the idol gods, and all of the idol gods for that matter, were lifeless. <laughs> um, they couldn't do anything. Uh, they delivered no one. Uh, they protected no one. Um, and uh, but, however, because of tradition and because uh, I don't know, uh, he continued probably to believe in or serve them as well. But at the same time, acknowledging that Daniel's God is truly a living, active God, active in the lives of His servants, of His faithful. So he says, the living God that you, that you, the servant of the living God is thy God whom thou serve continuously. Isn't that something you would like said about you? That you serve your God, the true living God and the Lord Jesus Christ continuously. That's consistently. Your life has a consistent pattern of faithful service to the Lord. Would that not be something you want said of you? It is certainly something I'd like said of me. Um, and he says, was he able to deliver thee from the lions? And then Daniel, verse 21 says, Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. Now, we're not typically hearing uh, about Hebrews addressing other kings in this manner, but uh, beside their, the Hebrew king, kings, of course. But despite the fact that Daniel recognizes the vanity uh, of this king, uh, Darius, that led to him signing this decree, the foolishness, uh, he's still responding to him with respect. Okay, and this is this is Daniel's uh, pattern of life, uh, and, which is why he was so honored and served so faithfully uh, at least three kings uh, between the Babylonians and the Persians, um, and they they esteemed him highly because he was a faithful servant, uh, insofar as his service did not interfere with his devotion to his God, the true and living God. Verse twenty-two says. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the mouths, shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocence was found in me, 
and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. I'm going to read uh, verse 22 from the NIV uh, for a little greater clarity. And it says, My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Now, God was faithful to him and God honored his faith and his trust in him despite the fact that he was basically going to be, he knew he was going to be sentenced to death if he continued to pray to him. Um, and he, what Daniel wants to make clear is he had done nothing wrong uh, to the king either. He recognized the scheme. It was a trap for him. And he also recognized, as did the king, that the king was not God. The king was not to be worshipped. He was not a god. And, and so no worship was due to him. So he had done the king no wrong. So Daniel has been vindicated by God. And he is basically vindicating himself before the king. And certainly the king recognized the truth of what Daniel is saying now you know there's been a whole lot of speculation as to just how God made these lions docile well Daniel says enough in saying that an angel <laughs> had shut the mouths of the lion we know that angels were powerful messengers of God and met and not only messengers God sent angels to protect his people we know of the the one angel that was uh, sent and destroyed uh, 185,000 Syrians that were besieging um, uh, uh, Jerusalem. So uh, the angel, the, the, the lions were no match for the angels that shut their mouths. And we've heard uh, of uh, some, some amusings that maybe Daniel used the lion as a pillow and slept comfortably overnight, but <laughs> we don't know about that. Verse 23 says, then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. So there was no, uh, no inadvertent scratches from the lion's claws or there was no hurt on Daniel whatsoever. You recall last week, when we read about the three Hebrew boys uh, thrown into the fiery furnace, there was no smell of smoke, not a hair on them. There was no hair singed. Their clothes uh, were not burned. They were. There was no evidence at all that they'd even been in a fire. So this, this was this, the same thing with Daniel. No evidence that he'd been in a den, presumably of very hungry lions. We'll see actually the, the few verses uh, in between verse 23 and 26 uh, cover uh, the king's next actions after he uh, uh, is so glad, exceeding glad to see that Daniel is alive and orders him to be lifted out of the den. So between verses uh, 24 and 25, the king orders the men that uh, <clears throat> Uh, that actually entrapped him, if you will, or uh, uh, put uh, got put the scheme together to entrap Daniel. 
uh, to be thrown along with their wives and children into the den of lions and it says there the lions had the mastery of them and break their bones in pieces ever they came to the bottom of the den in other words they were snatched up by the lions before they could hit the floor of the den and then uh, verse 25 says then Darius wrote unto all peoples nations and languages that dwell in all the earth all his provinces his, his dominion if you will peace be multiplied unto you and then we pick up at verse 26 where he says um, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel now this can be interpreted two ways one of two ways that he literally intends for them to fear this God this living God who's able to certainly deliver but also able to punish as well but or it can it can mean uh, that he wants them to revere to honor the God of Daniel okay and uh, you know, when he says tremble uh, I think <laughs> I think it suggests that uh, he wants them to recognize that this is a living God who's able to uh, save, to rescue his people, uh, and to preserve them. And to and he and he goes on and he talks about uh, how uh, he delivered, he uh, demonstrated great power in delivering Daniel. Part B says, for he is the living God. Again, in contrast to dumb idols okay which he certainly uh we would think recognized had no real power were not alive and steadfast forever and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even until the end he's sounding like nebuchadnezzar did when god restored <laughs> restored his sanity and restored him to uh, his throne uh, uh, Daniel's um, Daniel's faith uh, demonstrated or has done something to persuade this king of the reality of the true and living God now we, we're not told here that that he forsook his pagan uh, gods or his idols but he's certainly acknowledging the God the living God of Daniel and uh, and he's and, and he is um, talking about his attributes. His dominion will not end; shall never end. Is everlasting, in other words. Now he has come to that understanding through the witness of Daniel, through the witness of Daniel's faith. First of all, in the faith of great danger, and also the delivering power of God. Now. Uh, I think we should always witness faithfulness to our God. Whether God delivers us or not is certainly up to up to Him, and we know that uh, in most cases, uh, God is not going to deliver us in this life. There have been martyrs uh, for centuries, as I mentioned last uh, week. Uh, you know, the miracles are not normative; they're not normal. Uh, they are miracles. <laughs> That's why they're miracles. 
Uh, but there have been many that have been faithful to death, as Revelation uh, 2.10 tells us to be, uh, tells us we're going to be persecuted. But we are to be faithful to God even under death. And that witness uh, inspires the faith of others, and it certainly uh, does something to unbelievers to convince them uh, of the reality of our God. So let's let's look at this this decree, this last decree. Now he signed a decree uh, foolishly before that he was to be worshipped, and uh, now he's acknowledged the true and living God. Decree provided uh, one of the commentators says several reasons why the king's subjects should fear Daniel's God. First. Daniel's God is the living God. Again, that's in contrast to uh, idol gods. And he alone can give life and sustenance to all who receive it. Okay, and then it says, second, God's kingdom would never be destroyed and would never end. And there are a lot of scriptural references here that attest to that. Uh, we know that God is... Uh, is the uh, provider and the sustainer uh, and uh, we know that he is eternal and the king has come to that realization as well uh, now I want to just you know when just make, make a note I'm going to backtrack a little bit here of how King Darius uh, responded uh, when he uh, was throwing uh, had uh, Daniel rather thrown into the den of lions, he acknowledged uh, this that Daniel served his God faithfully and and believed that his God was able to deliver Daniel and and in a sense prayed that he would deliver him from the lions. Uh, when Nebuchadnezzar ordered the three Hebrew young men or boys thrown into the fiery furnace you may remember he was enraged the lesson we had last week he was enraged that they would not bow down to this golden image that he set up and he said who is that God that's going to deliver you from my hand in other words what God is going to be powerful enough to deliver you from my hand well he found out okay and then afterwards after they came out with no hurt and he saw this fourth man in there with him that looked like a son of one of the gods or an angel uh, he acknowledged the God of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and that he was real he was powerful and he decreed that everyone uh, in his kingdom honor him as well and say nothing against the God of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego so finally let's read verse 27 and it reads he delivereth and rescueth and worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions now I think King Darius knew more about the Hebrews God uh, than we may think he knew no doubt had heard about how God had delivered them from Egypt again probably kept them in the wilderness probably conquered all the Canaan uh, uh, you know and, and, and brought them in uh, across the, the uh, Jordan on dry land and so forth and how they, they, he had no doubt heard about uh, these miracles that God had done for his people and he was able to witness one he says 
who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Now, I want to, I want to just point one other little thing out, and then we'll we'll wrap up here. Um, as I mentioned last week, God had a way of demonstrating through these two miracles of deliverance that his uh, people were facing sincere real threats okay last week uh, we know that the furnace was heated seven times hotter than it normally was and again how they measured that probably was by the amount of fuel they put in into it they put maybe seven times the fuel but we know the strongest men in, in uh, Nebuchadnezzar's army were charged with binding these uh, men, uh, Hebrew men, and throwing them into the fire. And they were burned up in the process of doing that. So this fire was real. There was no doubt about its ability to destroy, inst incinerate instantly. It killed the men trying to throw them in. Well, in this case, you might think, well, maybe the lions had indigestion. Maybe they just weren't hungry. And that's why they didn't. I mean, people might try to naturalize this. Unbelievers might try to naturalize this. Uh, maybe they just said it, you know, just just did weren't up to eating the, the gristle and and uh, and, and Daniel. <laughs> well, so that verse, verse twenty four, that when uh, King uh, the king commanded that the uh, officials that had come up with the scheme and their children and wives be thrown into the lions den demonstrated that they, these lions were hungry. These. These lions were genuine threats to Daniel's life. So uh, God demonstrated that these were genuine miracles and, and, uh, and miraculous rescues of his people because of their faithfulness. Now, we want to be faithful to God, whether he delivers us from mortal dangers or not. We want to be faithful to the end, knowing uh, we have a reward. I mean, whether in this life or the next we have a reward so with that we're hope we you know this has been one of those uh, very familiar passages that we may be tempted to think oh well we know all about that and as i've said so many times before uh i never fail to get some new insight uh into a familiar passage when i go through it again and i dig and I, and I pray that you have gotten some additional insight into this lesson, into what God intended for us to learn. Uh, you know, the, all the Old Testament was written, or the Old Testament was written for our example. Uh, and certainly these examples of faith are, are ones that we want to take heed of. So, Father, we thank you again uh, for uh, this opportunity to study your word. And, Again, we, we hope we've gotten some additional insight, Lord, into um, something that will help us, Lord, be more faithful, be more consistent in our faithfulness to you. And Lord, even in the midst of, 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 of trial, in the midst of threats, in the midst of harm or potential harm to ourselves, Lord, we don't want to be foolish, certainly, but we, where you have commanded us to do something, Lord, let us be faithful to do what you've commanded us to do, regardless of how we may be ridiculed in this world, Lord. We know that persecution is coming. We know that many of your saints are being persecuted in other parts of the world, and more and more your church will be persecuted even here, Lord. If we don't conform to the perversions of the world, uh, we will be persecuted more and more. Help us to be faithful in the midst 
of any and all persecution. We thank you again and we praise you. We ask your blessings upon each and every family that is, uh, is represented uh, in the listeners among uh, in this audience, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So until such time as we meet again, may God bless and may God keep you.